Chapter Ten: When Counsel Is Needed. Instituted by God, marriage is a sacred ordinance and should never be entered upon in a spirit of selfishness. Those who contemplate this step should solemnly and prayerfully consider its importance and seek divine counsel, that they may know whether they are pursuing a course in harmony with the will of God. The instruction given in God's word on this point should be carefully considered. Heaven looks with pleasure upon a marriage formed, with an earnest desire to conform to the directions given in the Scripture. If there is any subject that should be considered with calm reason and unimpassioned judgment, it is the subject of marriage. If ever the Bible is needed as a counselor, it is before taking a step that binds persons together for life. But the prevailing sentiment is that in this matter the feelings are to be the guide, and in too many cases lovesick sentimentalism takes the helm and guides to certain ruin. It is here that the youth show less intelligence than on any other subject. It is here that they refuse to be reasoned with. The question of marriage seems to have a bewitching power over them. They do not submit themselves to God. Their senses are enchained, and they move forward in secretiveness, as if fearful that their plans would be interfered with by someone. Many are sailing in a dangerous harbor. They need a pilot, but they scorn to accept the much-needed help, feeling that they are competent to guide their own bark. And not realizing that it is about to strike a hidden rock that may cause them to make shipwreck of faith and happiness, unless they are diligent students of that word, the Bible, they will make grave mistakes which will mar their happiness and that of others, both for the present and the future life. If men and women are in the habit of praying twice a day before they contemplate marriage, they should pray four times a day, when such a step is anticipated. Marriage is something that will influence and affect your life both in this world and in the world to come. The majority of the marriages of our time, and the way in which they are conducted, make them one of the signs of the last days. Men and women are so persistent. So headstrong that God is left out of the question. Religion is laid aside as if it had no part to act in this solemn and important matter. Two persons become acquainted. They are infatuated with each other, and their whole attention is absorbed. Reason is blinded, and judgment is overthrown. They will not submit to any advice or control, but insist on having their own way, regardless of consequences. Like some epidemic or contagion that must run its course in the infatuation that possesses them, and there seems to be no such thing as putting a stop to it. Perhaps there are those around them who realize that should the parties interested be united in marriage, it could only result in lifelong unhappiness. But entreaties and exhortations are given in vain. 
Perhaps by such a union, the usefulness of one whom God would bless in his service will be crippled and destroyed. But reasoning and persuasion are alike unheeded. All that can be said by men and women of experience proves ineffectual. It is powerless to change the decision to which their desires have led them. They lose interest in the prayer meeting and in everything that pertains to religion. They are wholly infatuated with each other and the duties of life are neglected as if they were matters of little concern. When so much misery results from marriage, why will not the youth be wise? Why will they continue to feel that they do not need the counsel of older and more experienced persons? In business, men and women manifest great caution. Before engaging in any important enterprise, they prepare themselves for their work. Time, money, and much careful study are devoted to the subject, lest they should make a failure in their undertaking. How much greater caution should be exercised in entering the marriage relation a relation which affects future generations and the future life instead of this. It is often entered upon with jest and levity, impulse and passion, blindness and lack of calm consideration. The only explanation of this is that Satan loves to see misery and ruin in the world, and he weaves this net to entangle souls. He rejoices to have these inconsiderate persons lose their enjoyment of this world and their home in the world to come. Shall children consult only their own desires and inclinations irrespective of the advice and judgment of their parents? Some seem never to bestow a thought upon their parents' wishes or preferences, nor to regard their mature judgment. Selfishness has closed the door of their hearts to filial affection. The minds of the young need to be aroused in regard to this matter. The fifth commandment is the only commandment to which is annexed a promise. But it is held lightly and is even positively ignored by the lover's claim. Slighting a mother's love, dishonoring a father's care are sins that stand registered against many youths. One of the greatest errors connected with this subject is that the young and inexperienced must not have their affections disturbed, that there must be no interference in their love experience. If there ever was a subject that needed to be viewed from every standpoint, it is this. The aid of the experience of others and a calm, careful weighing of the matter on both sides are positively essential. It is a subject that is treated altogether too lightly by the great majority of people. Take God and your God-fearing parents into your counsel, young friends. Pray over the matter. If you are blessed with God-fearing parents, seek counsel of them. Open to them your hopes and plans. Learn the lessons which their life experiences have taught. If children would be more familiar with their parents, if they would confide in them and unburden to them their joys and sorrows, 
they would save themselves many a future heartache. When perplexed to know what course is right, let them lay the matter just as they view it before their parents and ask advice of them. Who are so well calculated to point out their dangers as godly parents? Who can understand their peculiar temperaments so well as they? Children who are Christians will esteem above every earthly blessing the love and approbation of their God-fearing parents. The parents can sympathize with the children, pray for and with them that God will shield and guide them. Above everything else, they will point them to their never-failing friend and counselor. Fathers and mothers should feel that a duty devolves upon them to guide the affections of the youth, that they may be placed upon those who will be suitable companions. They should feel it a duty by their own teaching and example, with the assisting grace of God, to so mold the character of the children from their earliest years that they will be pure and noble and will be attracted to the good and true. Like attracts like. Like appreciates like. Let the love of truth and purity and goodness be early implanted in the soul, and the youth will seek the society of those who possess these characteristics. Parents should never lose sight of their own responsibility for the future happiness of their children. Isaac's deference to his father's judgment was the result of the training that had taught him to love a life of obedience. Isaac was highly honored by God in being made inheritor of the promises through which the world was to be blessed. Yet when he was forty years of age, he submitted to his father's judgment in appointing his experienced, God-fearing servant to choose a wife for him. And the result of that marriage, as presented in the scriptures, is a tender and beautiful picture of domestic happiness. Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebecca, and she became his wife. And he loved her, and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Should parents, you ask, select a companion without regard to the mind or feelings of son or daughter? I put the question to you as it should be. Should a son or daughter select a companion without first consulting the parents, when such a step must materially affect the happiness of parents if they have any affection for their children? And should that child, notwithstanding the counsel and entreaties of his parents, persist in following his own course? I answer decidedly, no. Not if he never marries. The fifth commandment forbids such a course. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Here is a commandment with a promise which the Lord will surely fulfill to those who obey. Wise parents 
will never select companions for their children without respect to their wishes.